So for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about one word prayers that I'm going to guess all of us have prayed. And, and maybe it wasn't literally one word, but uh, the idea could be encapsulated in that. And so we've looked at thanks and we've looked at help. By the way, one of those is probably the most prayed prayer. The other one is the one that should be the most prayed prayer. And uh, if you've missed those, I want to encourage you to go to Facebook, to our website, or to uh, YouTube. You can catch them there, because my guess is you're going to find them helpful. Uh, and my guess is also you have a friend who will find that information helpful as well. Today, we're going to be looking at a prayer that all of us should pray. And some of us have, to be clear, some of us have. Uh, today, our prayer is yes. All right. So, hey, if you're joining us for the first time, my name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. Thanks for being here. If you're joining us online, thanks for uh, being there with us as well. Really appreciate you doing that. And uh, a shout out uh, to those of you uh, who are with us from another state, especially. Thanks for joining us. Um, uh, so what does it look like to say yes to Jesus? Again, again, many of us uh, here, many of us who are watching uh, have already done that uh, uh, but there are some of us here who, for a variety of reasons, have not. And maybe you're even wondering, well, how would I, how would I even do that? How would I say yes to Jesus? So what we're going to do is we're going to look at an story of someone who did that very thing. Our verses, if you have the YouVersion Bible app, uh, our, our notes for today are there. Our verses for, there are, for today are there as well. We're in Acts chapter 8, beginning in verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, which means queen of the Ethiopians. In other words, it wasn't her name. That was a title. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Now, by the way, if you're new to the Bible, if this is like one of the first stories you're ever hearing, there, there, this is already a crazy story. There's an angel involved. The Holy Spirit shows up. There's a eunuch in this story. There's not a eunuch in every story, by the way. Uh, but this story about Philip actually begins, doesn't begin in verse 26. It actually have to go to the very beginning of the chapter 8 uh, to begin to, because even more interesting things are happening. In verse 1 of chapter 8, there's this persecution, and the church is scattered. So not the leaders, but all of the, the, the followers there. Uh, and you would think, listen, they're running for their life. You would think they would find a new home, lay low, kind of a you know Christian witness protection program kind of a thing. But that's not at all what G the followers of Jesus did. In verse 5, it says that one of them, Philip, went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed Jesus in that City And when the crowds heard him and they saw all the miraculous signs that they did, they just paid this real close attention to what he was saying. And it's no wonder because we find out in verse seven, they see evil spirits come out of people. They see people who are paralyzed or crippled that were healed. And, and the city just kind of had this huge party. There was a great joy in the whole city. 
Verse 12 says that when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus, that they were baptized, men and women, everyone, and it was, it was crazy. And, and there's, listen, there's more in the verse 25 verses of this chapter. There's a guy named Simon the sorcerer, and then the early church, the, the main church in Jerusalem, they hear about what's going on, so they send two of uh, the big leaders, Peter and John, kind of the heavy hitters. They send them down to check it out. There's just a lot of great things going on in Samaria. I encourage you to read about them. That's not what we're talking about today, though. Uh, but I wanted you to know that's where he's been. And that's kind of the wake he's leaving as he moves along. But Philip's a follower of Jesus. And I have no idea what this looks like. But an angel tells him uh, to go to this desert road. Now, this particular desert road goes from Jerusalem through Bethlehem and then joins the main road to Egypt. Half uh, of the, the people of the world would have traveled this road. And on this road is an official of the Ethiopian courts. Verse 27 tells us two details about this man. First is he's an important official. Um, he is in charge of all of the treasury of the queen of the Egyptians. So he's kind of a big deal. And not only is he important, verse 27 says he had been to Jerusalem to, can you see what he was doing there? He'd gone to Jerusalem to do what? To worship, right. Uh, and this may seem obvious, but when we talk about people who say yes to Jesus, I want to make sure you get this because it's really important. It's kind of basic, but they're learning about Jesus. Of course they are. Uh, you know, there are people here for a lot of reasons on a Sunday. Some are here because someone made them come, right? But some people are here because they want to be. They, they like the stories about Jesus, uh, but that doesn't mean they've decided anything about him. Right? Not yet, but at some point they might, though. Some have been thinking this through for a while. They may even be getting close to a decision about their relationship with Jesus, who he's going to be in their life. Or maybe they've already made that decision and they're trying to figure out what MCC specifically is all about. They just haven't made any decisions yet. But today, we have three people who have made that decision. And in just a little bit, you're going to get a chance to watch them make their commitment to Jesus in their baptism, and that's very cool. Uh, and there are those of, here, those of us here who have, because we follow Jesus, we like to gather every week. We, we worship him, we live our lives for him, but we love getting together and singing to him and being encouraged together. But on any given Sunday, I'm just telling you all of that because on any given Sunday, there's just a variety of reasons of why people happen to be meeting either here in the building with us online. I'll make sure you know that. Uh, this guy seems to be a little further along in his relationship. Scholars believe that it's possible that he was a Jew, but probably not. Uh, so probably he is a Gentile. Any Gentiles in the room? A Gentile is anyone who's not a Jew. All Gentiles, raise your hand. Okay, very good. So I, I tell you that because he's just like us. He's a guy just like us. He'd heard about the Jewish faith. He was a God-fearing Gentile. He was concerned enough about his spiritual life that he would travel 200 miles from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship God. So we have this important government official, probably a Gentile, who had heard something about God. He's riding along in his chariot and he's reading his Bible. Now, I don't know what you picture when you think of chariot. I think of 2016 remake of Ben-Hur, right? You know, can you imagine reading a Bible in there? But, uh, uh, but, uh, but you're hanging on for your life, you know? And that's really not, when, when we read chariot, don't think Ben-Hur. Uh, more than likely, this chariot was kind of a covered wagon, more of a covered wagon. And so in verse 30, Peter, uh, Philip is told to run up to the chariot, 
which if it's moving at all, it's not moving very quickly, may have been sitting there. And as he ran alongside it, he heard this man reading out loud, which by the way, was how they read the Bible in that day. They didn't read silently. They would read it out loud. He's reading from the prophet Isaiah. So look at what Philip asks in verse 30. Do you understand what you're reading? And the response is, how, how can I understand it unless someone explains it to me? And I don't know if you ever feel that way or not. You're reading along, and your 21st century American ears doesn't understand this document uh, from 2,000 years ago. That's not, I love it when uh, someone I'm discipling asks me, what does this mean? Or I hear from someone who's discipling someone else, and the person they're discipling asks them, I don't, can you explain this to me? Because it tells us not only are you reading your Bible, but you're not just reading it to get a check mark. You're reading it because you're trying to understand what it says so that you can do what it says. Uh, his text was Isaiah 53, 7 and 8, although it's verses 32 and 33 in our chapter. It says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. As a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. Verse 34, who's this guy talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? How would you answer that question? Some of us would have to honestly say, I'm not really sure. I don't really know enough about this. I'll have to check with someone maybe who does. But others of us who are familiar with the Old Testament uh, would say, yeah, he's talking about Jesus. So this prophet who lived hundreds of years before Jesus is pointing to him. And that's what Philip did. Verse 35, Philip began with that very passage of scripture, which was Isaiah 53. And he told him the good news about Jesus. What, so what do you think he told him about Jesus? Well, let me ask it this way. What would you have talked about? Because we don't know what Philip talked about. We're not told. But I wonder if he told him about Jesus' virgin birth. I, I know if I were telling someone, I'd have to tell him about, you know, the star and the wise men and the angels showing up and the shepherds. And I'd have to tell him all of that. Or I wonder if he told him about the time when Jesus was 12. Like really the only other story we have from his childhood. He's 12 years old. He's in the temple. And he's, he's asking questions and answering questions with religious leaders in the temple and just kind of baffling them with his knowledge at such a young age. Or I wonder if he talked about how Jesus changed water to wine or calmed a storm or walked on water or healed the lame or raised the dead or how he talked Zacchaeus out of a tree and demons out of a man and a crowd out of stoning a, a woman or, or about one basin that Jesus used to wash his disciples' feet and another basin that Pilate would use to wash his hands. I wonder if he talked about a cross or a tomb or a stone and how three days later, God would raise his son from the dead. And how Jesus is right now at the right hand of God, just waiting for the signal to come get us. Is that what you would have told him about Jesus? Because we don't have recorded what Philip said, but we do have recorded the response, which is interesting. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. And listen, if you've heard this story from the time you were little, and I did, I've heard this story since I was a little kid, you may have never wondered about this. You just sort of accepted it as, well, that's just what happened next, right? But why did that happen next? If you look at all of the verses... We really don't have any of the conversation recorded, but what we do have recorded, nothing. 
Nothing suggests baptism except verse 35. So I wonder if in telling him about Jesus, part of what he told him was how Luke records in his gospel that Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. Or, or if, he, if he told him that Jesus' last words, right before he went back to heaven, after his earthly ministry, he goes back to heaven, right before he does that, he says to his followers, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. That the first thing... Jesus said about those who become his disciples is that they should be baptized. As a matter of fact, if you read the rest of this book, all of the book of Acts, nobody, nobody becomes a follower of Jesus. Nobody says yes to Jesus. And are, they're all, anyone who does, they're all baptized, including this guy. So the question is, why baptism? What's the urgency? I, I think it began when Philip told him about Jesus. And so people who end up saying yes to Jesus, they want to follow Jesus' example. Jesus was baptized, they want to be baptized. People who say yes to following Jesus, right, they want to obey his teaching. Matthew 28, Jesus said, go and do this. So they want to go and do that. People who say yes to Jesus want to carry out his command, right? Matthew 28, he says, go do, help other people make this decision. So we believe that people who put their trust in Jesus should repent of their sins, confess their faith, and be baptized because that's the example that we see. But you know what else he did that day? You need to know this if you want to say yes to Jesus. He publicly aligned himself with Jesus. People who say yes, we're publicly aligning ourselves with him. And I know what you're thinking. You're looking at those verses going, what are you talking about? There's nobody else there. There's, there's Philip. There's this Ethiopian. Maybe his chauffeur, a little guy in a blue jacket and a hat, you know, maybe he's there too. Listen, government officials, important government officials did not travel alone always an entourage around them. And what this high-ranking, important government official did, this man with power, publicly, before those he had authority over, put himself under the authority of Jesus. And that's what we do too. We, we, we make a public declaration to everyone who knows us about who's calling the shots in our life right now, that, that we're not our own boss anymore. Jesus is now our boss, and he gives us direction. Peter would also write this. This water symbolizes baptism that now saves you also, not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus. Those words, by the way, can also be translated uh, that your baptism is your prayer to God for a pure heart. So I think it's interesting. Your baptism becomes an act of prayer to God asking for a pure heart. This is how you know, by the way, someone is ready. And maybe you've been wondering about this. Do they believe, do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? And do you know there are things that you do that run contrary to what God wants you to do, to live your, the way you live your life? There are just some decisions that are in conflict with him. Uh, we call that sin. And you understand your need not to be excused for bad behavior, but forgiven because you're running contrary to them. And you want Jesus to not just be your savior because we all want someone to save us, but to be your Lord, boss of your life, and you commit your life to following him. I still remember when I said yes to Jesus, we asked our preacher to come over on a Tuesday night and he spoke to us to make sure that we knew, we understood the decision that we were making. And by the way, I say we because I have a twin brother and we're making the decision at the same time. And it's no surprise that we got there. 
We grew up going to church. We were born on a Saturday night, and I'm sure we weren't there that next morning, but I'm just as sure that we were the Sunday after that because we were there every Sunday uh, following that one. But we grew up, and there are a list of people who helped us see what it means to follow Jesus, not just talk about it. We actually watched them live it out, including, and most importantly, my mom and my granny, two women of God who didn't just share stories about Jesus in someone else's life. We watched them follow him and heard stories about how he worked in their life. So that night, we made our decision And on Sunday, September 10th, 1972, we said yes to Jesus in our baptism. So I'm just wondering if you remember. If you've made that commitment, do you remember it? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to count to three, and I want you to just shout out the date, okay? Or, or maybe you just remember the year. If you don't remember the date, but you remember the year. Or maybe you don't remember that. You just remember how old you were. And if you don't know any of that, just make something up. But um, I'm just teasing. Don't do that. And if you're online, would you write the date, the day, the date, how old you were? Would you write that in the comment section? All right. So, but don't do it yet on the count of three. Are you ready? Okay. So here we go. Uh, on the count of three. Is everybody ready? Okay. We're all ready. One, two, three. September 10th, 1972. All right. Yeah. Listen, the reason I did that, that's a big deal day. That day is a huge deal. I'm going to bet you could point to the calendar when your birthday, it might even be written on your calendar, your birthday. Your rebirthday should be written on there too. That's a huge deal. So let me answer a few questions that I get asked, and maybe you've wondered, what happens when I am baptized? What happens at baptism? And so we look to scripture for answers to questions like this. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, if you want to be saved, you must repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And so you may receive the gift of God's Holy Spirit. So people who say yes to Jesus, I just want to make sure you get this. I mean, you're asking him to forgive your sins. You recognize the sin problem and you're asking him for forgiveness. But you also recognize that moving forward, you can't do this on your own. And so you want some help from the Holy Spirit, his spirit to help guide you. All right, here's another question. Who can baptize people? Can only the preacher do that? Yes, because I work on a stipend when it comes to the number. But no, I'm just teasing, teasing, teasing. teasing. No, uh, you've seen other staff members baptize people. As a matter of fact, this morning, you're going to watch Michelle, who's our children's pastor. She will be baptizing someone. So to be clear, both men and women are able to baptize people. And it's not just a staff thing. Again, this morning, you'll see Michelle, who's on staff. But you're going to see a dad baptize his child. You'll see a sister baptize her brother. Some of you know that my dream is that everyone here would have that experience, not just helping someone figure out who Jesus is going to be in their life, but when they make that decision to commit themselves, that you would be, you, you would be the person who baptizes them, that they would say, can I make that decision? Would you help me with that? That you would say yes to being the person who baptizes them. Listen, if you've been instrumental in helping them come to him, help them. I've been asked, I get nervous in front of crowds, so I have to be baptized on a Sunday. A lot of people ask that when the answer to that is no, you can be baptized any day of the week at any time. Now, uh, I will say this, uh, as the lead pastor, I am glad to help you anytime during the day, any day of the week, anytime during the day. But if it's going to be in the middle of the night, call Adam Leopard. He's our teaching pastor. (laughs) We'll put his number on the screen. All right. 
What, what I do let people know is, of course, you don't have to be baptized on a certain day of the week. But when people see you make that decision, I will say this, when people watch that happen, it encourages them. And if they've been thinking about it, it just helps them make that decision for themselves. All right, how long do you hold someone under when, you're ba- when they're baptized? Again, per diem. Um, the word for baptize is baptizo, and it means to dip, plunge, immerse, hold them under till the bubbles stop. Uh, I made that last part up. Uh, but that, the meaning of the word is to dip, plunge, or immerse. And so we do take you completely under the water, but it's only for a moment, I promise. Uh, I've been asked a lot, can you get into heaven without being baptized? Which of all the questions that I'm asked, by the way, this is the one... I don't know why it's being asked. Jesus commanded his followers to baptize those who are following him. Why would you want to begin following Jesus by not following Jesus? That doesn't even make any sense to me. And use, but my response typically is, I can't tell you what the Bible doesn't say. I can only tell you what it does say. That's my task is to tell you what it does say. And it does say that Jesus was baptized and he told his followers to baptize anyone who believed and that if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. Now, there are those who, here who have been sprinkled uh, as children. Uh, your parents had you confirmed as a child. And by the way, can I just tell you that speaks so well of your parents, that they wanted you to know Jesus and to get you started on that path. They wanted you to be a Christian. But as you have read, maybe you've come to the point where you realize that no one in the book of Acts, when you read about people making that decision, nobody makes that decision for someone else. You make that decision for yourself, and you've come to the point where I kind of want to make that decision for myself now. This is my decision. Maybe that's you, and you want to be baptized as a testimony to your faith. Here's, here's what I know. At one end of the spectrum, we have people who are here for the very first time this morning, and you're trying to figure out Jesus, or, or you're trying to figure out MCC. Uh, you might be hearing this for the first time in your life. And I just want to say thank you for trusting us with this morning. Thank you for being here. And I hope that we can be part of your journey uh, as you come to know Jesus. And, and, and my hope is that you'll decide to follow him. At the other end of the spectrum, so that's at one end. At the other opposite end of the spectrum, there are folks here who for weeks, months, decades, <laughs> it's been tens of years ago that we said yes to Jesus and made our commitment to him through our baptism. And now we get to help other people meet Jesus and say yes to following him and showing them what that looks like with our life. Those are the two ends. But somewhere in the middle, there are folks who have been thinking about this for a while. And here's what happens. I just want to encourage you with this. You can think and think and think and think and think about this. For You can just continue thinking about it and never decide. You need to know that Not making a decision is a decision. And I want to encourage you with that to make your commitment to him. And so this morning, I mentioned that uh, we get to watch three people make that decision about who he's going to be uh, in their life. And I'm really excited about that. Because there's something that we do inside our service each week. That takes us back. So if you picked one of these up when you came in, would you go ahead and grab that? 
Every week during our time of communion, there's a couple of things that are going on. And the first one is that uh, we're reminded that Jesus died for our sins. Uh, But we're also reminded, should be reminded, should be remembering in this very act that we have committed our lives to him. So it takes us all the way back to where Jesus made this decision and then, it, and then it reminds us of the, of the decision that we made as well. And Paul would say in Galatians chapter 2, he said, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's what this reminds us of. That what Jesus did for us changed our day-to-day life. And so there's this, Drew alluded to it earlier, there's this big yes that we make when we follow Jesus, but then there's this everyday yes that we make, and we're still making it today. Today. Today belongs to you as well. This week, I remember again that I belong to you. So let's go to him in prayer, and then we'll remember together. God, thank you. Thank you for a day that we can look back point to in history and say, God gave his son who died on a cross that I might have the hope of eternal life. (laughs) And we can point to a day on our calendar that says, and this is, and there are a lot of things that led up to my decision, but this is the day I made the decision. This is the moment I said yes to Jesus through my baptism. And so we're grateful for that. And we remember today what you did, and our response. And Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. And so we take the wafer that reminds us of his body that was given for us on the cross, that our sins might be taken away from us. So let's remember. Then we take the juice that reminds us of his blood. The Old Testament would remind us over and over again that the life of an animal, the life of a person is in their blood. And so we take this not just to go backwards in our memory, but to live forward as well. Galatians 2.20, the life I now live, I live through Christ who gave his for me. Let's remember. So, Father, thank you that we get to do that together. Each day, we get to take a moment and surrender ourselves to you again, to say yes to you again. But when we gather like this, the encouragement of seeing many who have made that decision, and God, now to be encouraged by those who would make that decision today, thank you for the opportunity that you give us, Jesus, to follow you, and to help other people do the same. And we pray this in your name. Amen.